My name is Catalina del Carmen, and I'm on a mission to put more cash in the hands of women of color. I'm a wife, mom, amiga, prima, and I happen to run a multiple six-figure coaching business. On this show, I share sales and marketing strategies that keep your business simple, your mindset focused, your bank account big, and your impact even bigger. So if you are on a mission to create generational change and you want to make a lot of money doing it, welcome to the Latinas Booked Out Podcast. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Latinas Booked Out Podcast. I'm so grateful you are here. On today's episode, I am talking with Asha Wilkerson ESQ. She is a business coach and attorney who helps Black and Latinx entrepreneurs build businesses for financial freedom. On today's episode, we talked a lot about what is kind of needed for new businesses. I remember when I started my business, I was so unsure of like, when am I supposed to get my LLC? When is a good time to like get my legal stuff in order? And on today's episode, we talk through a lot of that. I learned some stuff. I know you will. So if you are in the beginning of your business, you kind of want to understand like the checklist of things you should have together as you go out there and make money in your business, I want you to listen in. All right, y'all, without further ado, here we go. Hello and welcome, Asha. How are you? Oh my goodness. I am so excited to be here. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. I already told you this, but (laughs) thank you so much for being so patient with me. I feel like we rescheduled this podcast episodes so so many times and you also were traveling the world I was you're like I'll be in the Caribbean on this (laughs) month and the next month I'll be did you go to Guatemala did you tell me that I went to Colombia and to Kenya oh half of the rescheduling was definitely on me also like oh not this Thursday oh not this Thursday (laughs) her life (laughs) anyways I'm I'm happy that we're finally connecting um and you're from the bay you live in the bay you're from portland though i'm from portland and now i've been in california oh this is so painful to say half of my life i'm come on maybe a little more from there yeah so yeah pretty much i mean i came down to college at santa clara when i was 18 and and now i'm 38 oh my god it's more than half my life no (laughs) love it well, uh, I'm just happy to speak with somebody who who's knows the Bay and you're in Oakland. That's where mm-hmm. my home is. We're selling it actually. So I'm really, really sad, but um, I love Oakland. I yeah. love Oakland so, so much. Okay. But let's get started. I want to talk um, to you. I want to learn a little bit about you, um, everything you've accomplished in your life. Like you're such a badass woman and I want to learn about how you got into coaching and then what I really want to like dig in your brain about is from like the, the law uh-huh, uh-huh. To do in your business. <laughs> I have a lot of questions for you because I, I feel like my journey was very, I just kind of like randomly did things for a while mm-hmm. until I got very serious about my business. And then looking back now, I'm like, there should be like a little bit of a process or something that uh-huh. you go through as a new business owner. 
um, when it comes to everything related to like the legal side of things. So I have a lot of questions for you about that. But first, let's get started with you and your background. Tell us a little bit about like where where did you grow up? Where were you born and all that? And what was it like um, growing up and kind of like where did you get this like drive mm-hmm. to just be so freaking successful? <laughs> Well, I mean, way to tee it up. I like that intro. That's great. Um, I grew up in in Portland, Oregon. My mom is from Mississippi. My dad's from Illinois. And I always ask them, like, how the heck did you guys end up in Portland, Oregon? Because Portland is so white, so white. So in the neighborhood, well, when I was really little, uh, my dad had purchased this property before I was born, actually, in, in the countryside. And he was the first one to develop out there. So he got to name our street Wilkerson Way, which is our, our last name, right? He, he actually passed away a little over a year ago, December 2020. And I just bought his house from the trust. And I'm like, the, fa- the property's still in the fa- I'm still on Wilkerson Way. So I'm super excited about that. That just happened a couple of days ago. That's um, crazy. Congratulations. That is amazing. So he was sort of pioneering and, um, you know, just didn't really give a damn what anybody else thought, you know, he was gonna, he wanted to live in the country, he wanted to build his own stuff, he wanted to like do what he wanted to do and kind of be like that black cowboy in Oregon and and he was certainly that. My mom, on the other hand, came from Mississippi and um, she and her grant, her father were really involved in the civil rights movement. My mom was the first black woman to integrate the University of Mississippi. So she came to Oregon um, by way of Seattle, Washington to work in education. And she was always a pioneer in her field because after we moved from the country into the city of Portland, um, we ended up in a neighborhood that was, um, you know, middle-class neighborhood, but we were the only people of color in the neighborhood. And we moved into her district attendance area. She was a principal almost my entire life. And she was the only black administrator in the district for the longest time. Um, And so I ended up going to schools within the district where I was often, I think in the elementary school that I went to for two years, I think I was the only black child in that elementary school and middle school. There was a handful of us in high school. I ended up going to a private school and there were four um, in our graduating class and I was the only, the only girl. So in terms of like learning how at a very long age to kind of hold my own and to learn how to be confident in a room when, you know, they may not be looking like you, they're not looking like you, yeah. and they may not be looking to you as someone who has any expertise or actually deserving to be there. I, I had to build that. It wasn't even conscious. That's just the environment that I grew up in. Right. So then I head down to California. I knew I had to get out of Oregon. So I went down to California, went to Santa Clara with a number of people from my high school. And um, Santa Clara had like the population of the school was like 2% Black people. And what that meant was like 100 Black folks between undergrad and graduate school. And I was like, Black people. I believe it. (laughs) Compared to what I had seen in Oregon, right? And I was just, I just was so excited. Um, That's uh, so funny. It's better. (laughs) 2% 2% is better than 0.001. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. It's all about perspective. And so I just got involved. I was actually supposed to play basketball down there and that didn't end up happening. And so I was able to join the Black Student Union and the Multicultural Center and all these different groups that were able to feed my other interests. And the Dean of Admissions for the law school came to our Black Student Union meeting one day and said, hey, we've got this pre-law undergraduate program. We want you all to apply. It's to help create this pipeline for minority students 
in law school. And I was supposed to go back to Portland and work at the Boys and Girls Club. And my funding got cut. And so I missed the first round of applications and my funding got cut. They extended the applications and I applied. My philosophy is just apply and see what happens. So I did, ended up getting in. Like, okay, I kind of like this study of law thing. I really wanted to be a teacher, but again, just apply and see what happens. So I, I was there going into my junior year, went back a second year and then applied for law school and uh, still wasn't sure, but I ended up getting into UC Hastings in San Francisco early decision, which meant that at least the next three years of my life were laid out. And I figured, well, since I got in, then that must be the path that I'm meant to go down. And so I made that choice thinking that while teaching is great and it's noble and I'm actually doing it now, that I thought law would be the best way to set me up to be able to help as many different people as possible. And in undergrad, my, my Catholic high school was very um, oriented towards social justice. And then, you know, I went to a Jesuit university or no, Santa Clara's not Jesuit, but it's Catholic. And there were service trips, like did a lot of work with the uh, homeless community, um, was supposed to go to El Salvador to do some, some work down there and totally got stage fright and chickened out. But that still like sparked my interest to be able to travel and just meet people across the world. So that's kind of like the educational foundation and a really big breath to my backstory. <laughs> that is crazy. I like how you just like, well, I might as well apply to this law program <laughs> and then like became a lawyer. Right. If anybody could be an accident, like I, I say that my story, I became an attorney on accident. I don't know how you can quite become an attorney on accident, but it wasn't, you know, it was like, it was just following the path to see what happened, you know, putting in the work to get there. But I used to watch Law and Order and loved it because I liked the forensic psychologist on there, Dr. Wong. So I wanted to get into people's minds and understand why they did the things that they did. And I liked the detectives a little bit, you know, the problem solving, but I didn't want to be in a courtroom, but somehow I ended up in, in law school. <laughs> that is hilarious. And I love your story about your parents. Your Both of your parents are like such leaders. Like, yeah. no wonder that makes so much sense. And I'm really sorry about your dad. Thank um, you. My dad passed like two, no, no, not two, four years ago now, mm -hmm. but it was sudden. I imagine like, yeah, it's just hard. It's, it is hard. Even, and yeah. I had done a lot of work. My dad and I didn't have the best relationship. And so before mm -hmm. he died, he had had cancer. He did cancer for a while and it, it was in remission and then came back. And so in 2017, I started doing a lot of like work with a therapist and also just on myself, like none of us make it out of here alive. So let me figure out how I can, what I can work on to be in the most comfortable relationship possible and to be okay, as okay as possible when he makes that transition. So if any of y'all listening have uh, relationships that are a little contentious with anybody in your life, work them out, work them out, work them out, work them out. And most of the work you're going to do is going to be with yourself. Yeah. I second that. I'm like, I, so I'm a big forgiver, actually. Like it's mm -hmm. one of my many, I think it's like one of the skills I'm most proud of. I think it's because my mom was always like, you don't, you always forgive people. You just like do that. Mm -hmm. Although I, I'm very also loyal to my friends. I'm a tourist. So it's uh -huh. like, if you, if you do me wrong, I can forgive you. If you do my people wrong, that is very hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but regardless, um, no, I feel you. Okay. I want to ask, okay. We heard this part of your journey. Tell us a little bit about how that transitioned into coaching. Yeah. So I started out working at a law firm. I did uh, medical malpractice defense initially, 
And I, it was a good experience because it was a mid-sized law firm. So I got a lot of really good litigation experience early on. And then because I was one of the last people hired in their downsizing, because they had some budget cuts, I was one of the first people to let go. So to get let go. So I uh, was looking for contract work. I wanted to switch to employment law and I was working with a couple of different attorneys to fill in where they needed it. And one of my friends, I still credit her as the reason why I'm a business owner today. She was like, Asha, you're already doing the work. Like you don't need to work for somebody else. I was like, what? No way. No, I'm not doing that. And she was like, yeah, you're already doing it. Think about it. So it took me a couple of weeks and I decided it was like, okay, well, maybe if I start running my business like a business, what could possibly happen? And so that is how I started my own law practice. And again, not because I wanted to, but because I just kind of followed the signs that were leading me down that path. So I, I did um, plaintiff side employment litigation for a while, realized that maybe some of these problems could be solved if I was working with business owners to help them make better decisions around employees. So I switched to advising business owners unemployment law, and then added business as a part of that, working on contracts, negotiations, and things like that, just to make myself more kind of um, uh, like more necessary, I guess, to offer a better service for business owners. And then I got burnt out. I got totally burnt out, totally burnt out. Um, and I took a break and, and my break was to start teaching full-time, uh, running a paralegal program at a community college in Sacramento. But I knew at, I started to inventory like what my skills were and what I was good at. I'm, I'm good at connecting people. I'm good at kind of seeing what's going on with people. I really enjoy teaching the legal work itself, a lot less exciting, right? <laughs> but I love teaching about LLCs and corporations and hiring employees and like, you know, helping you feel empowered and knowledgeable about the next steps to take. So when I came back, I knew that I needed to have teaching as the primary component of what my business was going to be. So even now, sometimes it feels funny to me to call myself a coach, but I realize that's essentially if I'm giving advice, right? If I'm teaching people about the law, that is another form, you know, of coaching. It might be nuanced a little bit, but it is definitely still a form of coaching. And then, um, you know, because sometimes we always feel like we need more education, whether that's actually true or not. I ended up getting a neuro coaching certification because I really wanted to understand how our brains work. So, you know, there's a lot of connection between the science and the woo. So a lot of times, like in the spiritual community, it's like, oh, it's just spiritual. And sometimes it's hard to catch on to, but there's really actually scientific data in, in support for why some of these um, spiritual practices like meditation or like deep breathing or like, you know, rewiring or affirmations actually work. And I just found it so fascinating. So my business has evolved into coaching because uh, primarily because it, it fits what I'm good at. And it's not as draining as like forming 10 businesses a month or going to court. So it was looking at what I needed first and then being what I could give to the community. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I, this reminded me, I watched just this weekend, I watched a documentary on Amazon called mm -hmm. feel, mm -hmm. and it's all about beliefs and um, thought and related to actual healing. And yes. when they're talking about healing, they're talking about like healing cancer and like really okay. like big diseases. And mm -hmm. one, one part of that documentary that blew my mind was, I think it was uh, a researcher or something. He 
worked, he was a scientist who worked on creating the cures to like cancers, Mm -hmm. but he worked for like big pharma. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I liked my job. Like, this is what we did. He's like, but I found it fascinating that when we finally finalized some type of medication, we would always do a test. There would be like a hundred people who took the the medication. And then there'd be a hundred people who took the placebo. Mm -hmm. And there was always about 40 to sometimes 70% of people who would heal with the placebo. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And he's like, I was interested in that, that percentage. Right. And it just blew my mind because I I love mindset work. I love learning about my brain Mm -hmm. and like just how belief plays a role in like whatever we do. Yeah. So I love that work. That's such a, so you're also a certified coach. Yeah, apparently now, <laughs> as of December. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. So question for you, let's get into like the beginning of building a business from everything you, so there's so many pieces of legal, right. Um, that you have to consider when you're starting a business, but also scaling a business, I'm sure mm-hmm. like at all the levels, let's talk about like the beginning. So I have, um, especially in, yeah, I have a handful of clients who are in all different places of like, should I get my LLC? Should I, um, have someone like draft up a contract for me? Mm-hmm. Am I going to get sued? Like, am I big enough yet? What would you like, what is your process for new entrepreneurs that like need to understand the legal side? Like what should they consider? Yeah. So my, my flip on it is that, you know, your business is the foundation to creating wealth. And so instead of looking at it, we're always taught to look, me too, uh, taught to look at businesses as that liability protection. But I want to flip that. That is true, but I want to flip that and think about it as your, you know, wealth building foundation, right? Especially in the black and brown community, like we need some money. We need, like, we absolutely need money. Yep. We are economically disadvantaged in this country. And the way to do that, I, in my opinion, the fastest way to do it is to create a business and then grow that business, support your family, hire people from your community, and then just change the landscape, right? Also, the, the Internal Revenue Code, the, the IRS, um, rewards business owners, LLCs and corporate, corporate owners, because we create jobs for people. So there is the protection side of it. And there's also the growth side of it, which I think is so important um, and just necessary for all of us to really think about. So on the protection side, there's the liability, right? LLCs and corporations separate you as the person from your business. So if you were unable to fulfill that contract, that was so important to your client because whatever life event happened or because you got burnt out or because you missed your flight, right? The issue they have is with the company and not you. So if they decide to collect on whatever their damages are for missing that contract, they're collecting from the business and not from your personal assets, which also means they can't come after your credit, like credit in the black and brown credit for all Americans is really important. Right. And, you know, some schools of thought are like credit doesn't matter, but it does for most people, it actually does matter. So let's not put ourselves in a position to jeopardize the assets that we have, whether it's money, uh, property, or even our own personal credit. The other thing, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Sorry. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that, uh, 
business structures do for you as well is that they allow you to, um, even if you're not making any money, you can claim tax write-offs, right? Or tax deductible expenses. So for the folks who were like, I've only made $600 this year, or I've only made $6,000 this year. I'm not sure if it's worth it. If you talk to a CPA, they'll probably give you one answer based on taxes. But the reality of it is, is that any money you put into your business as a startup cost, paying for advertising, professional services, those are all expenses that are able to reduce your tax liability. So even if you're not profitable in the outset, and let's say you're one of the folks who has your own business, but is still working for somebody else, you've got multiple streams of income, whatever loss you have in your business will offset whatever um, gains you have from other sources of income. So there's definitely an opportunity to just have better control over your finances and what you're giving to the government, even if you're not making a profit just yet. So think about having an LLC or a corporation really as this tool that you can use to keep money in your business, in your family, and in your community. And I started really looking at this because one of my clients, he said, okay, great, Asha, thank you, formed our corporation for us. Now tell me how do I keep my money like the rich white folks do? And I was like, that's a good question. Well, that's a good question. That's a really good question, right? And I was, ah. I knew how to form the businesses, but I hadn't taken it steps further to really see what all of the advantages are um, when you have a business. The majority, you know, the top 1%, top 10% of uh, wealth owners in the United States, most of them have a business. And it's a business that they are able to run expenses through that benefit the family as well. Yeah. You know, I love that you said you started this with saying like seeing your business as a foundation of creating wealth. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I actually understood that when I got started. I was mm -hmm. like, I just want to see more black and brown folks like build businesses. And I was just kind of like on this own journey, like figuring right. this out. And it wasn't until I started making some real money. And I remember having this conversation with my husband mm -hmm. and I wanted, I think, I think it was a really big investment. I was going to make actually it was a $25,000 investment. I was mm -hmm. going to make into a mastermind. This was happening June of last year. And I, I started realizing, I was like, wait, we have investments. Like we own a home, mm -hmm. we have stocks. We, we have investments, we have 401k, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we have to start looking at my business, like an investment right. and then look at the ROI. Mm -hmm. And when I started looking at it that way, I was like, wait, hold on. I invested $5,000 or I think last year I invested $10,000 in, in like coaching. And then I invested it in my brain. I invested uh -huh. it in my learning. And I, I didn't make that much. I think I made like $10,000. Like, mm -hmm. And it was the last two months of the year. But then this year, I, I like quadruple, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. If I look at it from an investment point of view, that's a big ass ROI. Right. And like I told my husband, I'm like, actually the best place to invest in is me and my business. Right. Like exactly. that's bringing in the biggest ROI. And that was the first time I really shifted my mind of like, oh shoot, this is like very, I met, I've always, you know, I always thought about my business long-term, but I never looked at it as this, this 
investment Mm -hmm. in our life, like Mm -hmm. just like everything else. Mm -hmm. So creating, like being the foundation for creating wealth is like a hundred percent true just for longevity, like just for like the long, 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 um, the, the future of like, it's just like another investment. Right. Absolutely. And even yeah. for the short term, you know, there are things you can write off like childcare. If you're responsible for childcare and you're a business owner, you get to recoup some of that um, on your tax return, either for childcare or like adult care. I think it's dependent adult care, your cell phone, right? If you're using that for business and all of us are probably on social media. And so we're, we run social media from our phones, any utilities, any office space that you have, uh, any education, any learning. So what a lot of people do, especially LLC owners is, you know, we're like, we are the business. If you need new clothes for a photo shoot, right? If you need some accessories, if you need a new lamp, if you need a new coffee maker because you're going to drink coffee at the office, right? All of these regular expenses get to be run through the business, which ends up reducing your taxable liability. But I will say, like, don't, we don't, we want to take advantage of what's there, but we also don't want to get caught up in playing small, right? And being afraid to actually pay some taxes. You know, you can also use your business to set up a 401k or a SEP IRA. And the administrative cost of that is a business expense, you know? So you can make investments in the business. You know, you can invest as an LLC owner and get that return and reinvest it. There are just so many things that you can do. So to the question of when is the right time, um, you know, some people want to start before, want to start a business before they get started, because if they have to walk away, it protects their credit. Everything they do in the name of the business, if it goes belly up, that debt stays with the business and they get to walk away, you know, scot-free, right? That's how it's designed because our society um, supports business owners. You know, other folks are like, okay, well, I need to make a certain amount of money because I'm just trying to test this concept. That's fine. If you were doing anything where you were touching people, inviting people to a space uh, where you're giving people like advice that could really change their lives, like as an attorney or as a CPA, you want to have a business structure in place. If your liability is a lot less because maybe you're just doing things through a computer, then you want to really look at your uh, business entity as that foundation that's going to support the growth of your business long term. So there isn't a right or a wrong answer. As the attorney, I want to tell you as soon as possible to take advantage of it, but you'll do it when you start thinking about your business as a business. And then all of those benefits are there for you to take advantage of. Yeah, I think a lot of, so I did mine like very early on. Mm -hmm. Um, I literally just, I didn't even know that people got lawyers for LLCs. Uh-huh. I was like, look, California.gov. Right. I can get an LLC. And like, that's literally how I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, although I know every state, at least if we're talking about the United States, every state has a different, um, right. different payment or like a different fee. I think in California, it's 800, right? Once a year. So yeah. So that's actually a myth that I love to bust. So California, yeah, bust has, it. <laughs> California has a minimum tax for business owners, LLC owners and corporation owners. Right now, so as of last year until I think it's January 1st, 2024, any any LLC that's formed in California 
the minimum tax of $800 will be waived. So any new business owners that are ready to get started, you know, now's your window. But at the same time, it's not a fee that you have to pay. It's a minimum tax. And so it says, even if you own $0, you're, oh, even if you earn $0, you're still going to pay a minimum of $800 in taxes. Now, most of us are going to earn more than $0 in the business, right? Not everybody, but you know, if you own, if you earn a couple thousand dollars, your tax will, your tax liability is probably going to be more than 800. So, so that is something that really sticks out to people, but I don't think it's really as big of a deal as people tend to make it, but it has like all of this buzz around yeah. it. I can tell you in all of my years of business, I've never thought about that $800 because it's included, like it's included in whatever I, you know, Wait, so you I don't own. pay it every year. No, so it's it means that you're paying a minimum, but because Got of it. what I earn in business, I'm paying over eight hundred dollars in taxes each year, right? Wait, oh my god, wait, you're wait. So do you literally go online and like pay it to the government, or do you pay <laughs> so, it, or do you do it with your like taxes? Yeah, I do it with my tax. So, so as a business owner, we're supposed to be paying quarterly taxes. Supposed to. Not everybody does it, but that's what it says. So, when I pay, like I've already paid over eight hundred dollars, you know, in, in for twenty twenty one based on earnings and quarterly taxes. So, and that is not. That's it doesn't factor in. You do the calculations. You're not yeah. factoring in the eight hundred dollar minimum. You're just looking at what could your potential tax liability pay yeah. um, be. And so if it's over eight hundred, it's all you know that eight hundred is included in whatever that amount is. If it's under eight hundred, you're paying a minimum of eight hundred dollars. Wow, I should really know this stuff. I would literally just like go ahead and pay my eight hundred. I thought it was like a, like a fee, like you mm-hmm. said. I literally thought it was just a fee, and I pay it additional to like the taxes no, that were not additional it's clearly not. I haven't done my taxes <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming like I bet when you meet with your CPA to look at your tax like they're not going to mention oh here's the $800 because it's just already kind of included in what even you would bring do. it up to her probably I probably would have just forgot but yeah because it's, so, it's not yeah. really an issue yeah wow that's so interesting yeah. um okay question for you and actually, let me just yeah, go yeah, back. Yeah. So for the folks who were concerned about the $800, let me just check your mindset again too, right? Because it, like playing small and having that scarcity mindset, we're going to be worried about $800. But if we're thinking and really believing and like doing the work to bring the money and the clientele into our businesses that we want, like we know that we're going to have enough money to pay a minimum of $800. And really, I want to be paying more in taxes than that because I want my revenue to be much more than that. So that's just my um, note to everybody again, to shift the thinking, like don't be afraid of because what your potential is, is so much greater than that, that the $800 is inconsequential. Yes, 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 yes. I, yeah, like a hundred percent. I'm like, now I'm, I I was spending a whole bunch of revenue at the end of the the end of last year so that my taxes could be lower. And like, you know, there were expenses that I needed to do anyway. Like why not? Mm-hmm. So that, but a hundred percent, like we're going to pay, that's like across the board when you're building wealth, like, yeah. like it's going to be more in taxes, but right. it's, it's a blessing, um, when you're making more and more money, mm-hmm. you know, little by little. Yep. Uh, okay. One more question for you. Can you just share a little bit about LLC versus corp? Cause you brought it up, um, a couple of times. 
and you don't have to like, I know that that, that could be a whole podcast alone, <laughs> <laughs> but like in your um, thoughts, like should entrepreneurs in their first like year or two of business, should they be even considering a corporation um, or should you just do an LLC? Cause I just figured LLC, why not? Like mm-hmm. that's, I just did it. Cause I don't know someone told me to, right. um, but like <laughs> who should be considering a corporation and what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. Good question. So LLCs and corporations are similar in terms of the legal protection that they provide, but the biggest difference is the type of ownership and the way that each entity is taxed. So an LLC is just like a step above a sole proprietorship, right? So if you're running a sole proprietorship right now, which if you don't have a business entity, you are, and then you form an LLC, most things aren't going to change, right? Especially if you're the only owner of the LLC. If you bring on multiple owners, you all have the same type of ownership. There aren't different classes or distinctions of ownership. You just split that ownership according to whatever percentage each person owns. Whereas with a corporation, think about Facebook, Google, Amazon, right? Um, The corporation is its own entity and you can have people buy stock into the corporation and they get one type of ownership, but Amazon is not, well, I don't own Amazon stock. What do I own? Like Costco, I have some Costco stock, right? Costco is not asking me for my opinion about what to do in their warehouse and how to set stuff up, right? But I am technically an owner of Costco because I have some of their stock. Now the founders of Costco and people at like the really high up corporate level, they are also owners and they have what's called preferred stock and that allows them to make decisions. So if you are building a business where maybe you want to have multiple people, um, if you are a professional, um, like professional defined by the law, so attorney, doctor, accountant, anything that's a licensed professional, um, architect, uh, engineer, then you have to form a corporation in California. But that, yeah. So if you're, if you're licensed, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, that's also why, like, it's good to just chat with an attorney because there's a lot of like kind of hidden rules out there, just industry specific rules that people don't know. Um, But a corporation allows you to issue two different kinds of ownership. So if you want to get really big one day and be publicly traded like Facebook, then you can do that with a corporation. Um, If you want, you know, a board of directors to help advise, then a corporation does that. If you want a much more simple structure, you want to be a little bit more hands-on, you're thinking of maybe hiring or bringing on one or two or maybe three other business owners, and you really want to work in tandem with each other, then an LLC is an easy natural progression. That's on the legal side. On the tax side of it, LLCs are taxed like sole proprietorship. So when you file your um, individual tax return, you file a schedule, I think it's a schedule K maybe, or schedule C, one of those two, um, that classifies your business expenses and your tax in your tax liability for your business. And you personally are responsible for that tax liability for your business. Corporation is different. A corporation, regular C-Corp, is its own taxable entity. So that means that I have have a corporation. So whatever I earn through the law practice, the, the law practice owes those taxes. The law practice files its own tax return and it's taxed at a corporate tax rate, whereas I am taxed at the regular, you know, whatever tax rate is for my income category. The downfall, I won't even call it downfall, but one of the 
consequences, I guess, of having an LLC is that if you want to pay or corporation, if you want to pay yourself as an owner of the corporation, you need to put yourself on payroll. And some people don't like that because then you're paying taxes like you're a W-2 employee, you're having payroll taxes, employment taxes come out, um, and the corporation pays its own taxes. Now, for someone like me who has a lot of student loan debt, I like the ability to control what money I'm taking out of the business. I want to give myself a little extra when I need it, but also I'm happy to keep a lot of the money in the corporation because it's just me running the business and I can reinvest it or do whatever I need. I don't have that same kind of control as an LLC owner because it all just comes straight through. There's this third category called uh, an S corp, which is not an entity, but it is actually just a tax designation. And it comes from subchapter S of the internal revenue code. That means that as a corporation, you could be taxed as an S corp, which means that the earnings flow through to the owners. Um, Then as an LLC, you can also be taxed as an S corp, which then takes away the self-employment tax that is associated with running an LLC. So I know I just threw like so much (laughs) at everybody, Um, but I will say that there isn't a right or a wrong answer, but this is something I would encourage people to talk to an attorney and to a CPA about and to look at your global income picture and to figure out what is the right structure for you personally and where you want to go because each person is a little bit different. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel like I do have a lot of questions, but we probably don't have time for all of it. (laughs) Um, No, thank you. Wait, quick question. This is separate. Uh You do you in terms of, I guess, like for, for contracts, like when you're starting to like deal with people and have Mm -hmm. clients, especially clients that like in my case, my clients pay like, or my clients are selling like higher ticket offers. Mm-hmm. In those cases, would you, as a lawyer, like, would you recommend they, um, this is going to sound horrible and you probably would never recommend <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time. Like I like literally made my own in the beginning of my journey. Uh-huh. Like, what do you think is the best process to creating a very like solid contract for your business that you can yeah. work on? Like, what, is, yeah. what do you do? Do you just like hit up a lawyer? Yeah. So I would, I mean, that, that would be my recommendation because reality of it is you pay once for that contract and you're going to use that contract over and over and over again with the people that you're working with. And so it's probably worth it to make sure that you have the enforcement mechanisms in there that you want to have. And one thing, like if you're going to draft your own contract, which is fine, or even if you're going to work with somebody else, some of the things that are less legal, but are no less important are, you know, what are your expectations? of your client? What do you expect them to show up? What if they show up late by 15 minutes? Do they lose their session? Can you move it? Um, What if somebody's dissatisfied with the service? What if you don't like working with the client anymore and want to get rid of them, right? So those are some of the things that you can put into a contract that would be like the performance part of it. It's setting the expectation for each side. Now, most people don't ever have to go to court to enforce their contracts, but it is. It's like, If you're going to, so now in California and most places, Oakland, San Francisco, we got to show our COVID vaccination card. I guess I just dated this podcast, but if we got to show our COVID vaccination card to get into a place and we, they have told us 
what the expectation is. So nobody should be surprised when you go to a restaurant and they ask you for your vaccination card, right? Yeah. Same kind of idea that when someone is going to sign up to work with you, you want to be very clear about what it is that you are giving them and you want it to be measurable. So, you know, a lot of people will promise oh, you'll double your revenue unless you can really guarantee that someone's going to double their revenue. Probably don't say that but you're going to give them sales templates and you're going to work with them six hours, you know, in six weeks on mindset. And you're going to, you know, review their website, whatever the tangible things are that you're going to deliver, make that clear. So you can set and manage those expectations, whatever you expect from your client, make that clear. So you can set and manage those expectations. What about things um, where if the, the card gets declined, what if they're late on payment? You know, do you want a penalty if they're late twice? Do you want to have the opportunity to get rid of them as the client, right? Those kinds of things. You want to put those enforcement mechanisms in place so that if for whatever reason, you know, everything just kind of falls apart and you have to go to a third party like a judge or a mediator, your contract is going to protect you. Yeah, I think it's so important. I think I learned that lesson this year because I got my first hand, like I had a couple refunds or not even refunds. Like sometimes I would even initiate it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if, like, I don't want to work with people who are, are too busy to do the work. Right. Like right. here, have your money back. Like I I'm, I'm not interested in just like taking your money and meeting with you weekly. Right. Right. So I've had to learn that lesson through my own growth that like, there are such unique situations that happen in your coaching business mm -hmm. as you grow it. And you just like, don't know. And I invested in my legal stuff like, I think I bought like templates or whatever, like I invested in it pretty early and I'm really thankful I did. Like, these are investments that like, I never felt mm -hmm. like it didn't, like it wasn't worth it. Like just right. the peace of mind that it was written by a professional and that I, like, I just felt confident that like mm -hmm. I was safe and like, it, it was just fair. And like, I, I would edit it on my own, just like a couple little things, yeah. but like, it just felt it gave me a peace of mind right. that it was done by a professional. And, and my first couple contracts were made by me, but at one, at some point, like, you know, when you're charging over a thousand dollars, like it just doesn't feel that good to like, just, right. like whip something up. I mean, maybe right. your first client, but like after that, like, yeah, like it just doesn't feel as good. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we end, how, tell us a little bit about how you work with your clients and, how you can support coaches, um, mm -hmm. consultants, service providers who are listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So my probably most proud uh, creation to date is this membership community that I call Transcend. Um, and the tagline is build a business and leave a legacy because I'm really, really passionate about helping black and brown entrepreneurs to really build the business and leave the legacy because, you know, we've worked so hard historically and now it's our time to reap the benefits of that for all the reasons that I said earlier. So right now I'm doing group coaching um, within the community and also have some evergreen programs that live within the Transcend community. So if you need help forming your LLC, my course from me to LLC is up there. There's a course on contracts and the key terms that you need for contracts and the few templates that are up there. And I'm still adding stuff on a regular basis. And then also another big thing is employment law. 
and think figuring out whether you can hire employees or, or contractors or whether you can hire contractors or if they need to be an employee. And in Cal, if you're a California business owner, that is definitely something that you want to pay attention to. So within this community, you get those uh, right now, three evergreen courses, but we also meet every Thursday, the first three Thursdays of the month for live trainings. And then the third Thursday of the month is just a Q&A session or like an Ask Asha coaching, you know, free question of either business, legal, or financial. So, and that is my commitment and sort of gift back to the community because I really want to, um, a lot of us don't have the resources in our communities. I didn't know any business. I guess my dad was an entrepreneur, but I never really, like that was kind of kept separate from me. So I didn't, I didn't know, you know, um, I didn't know any attorneys in my community. I didn't know any CPAs in my community. And a lot of us are like that. And I don't want us to have to keep going and looking out. So I've created sort of the business legal ecosystem and bring in experts for areas that I don't know about. So you, all you have to do is show up and you will get the information. And if it's something I don't know, I will go and find it for you. That is amazing. I wish I knew about this when I first started, but like, I got to check it out myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I just want to touch on what you said of like, like a lot of us, don't have like a lot of community uh in terms of like like I never had like I always remember being jealous of people who were like oh yeah my friend my parents friend is a lawyer I'm mm-hmm. like no my fucking parents friends are absolutely not lawyers right. and, <laughs> or like you know it's just I think when you didn't grow up with that like you feel very intimidated right by lawyers and doctors and like any, any of those, you know, the, mm-hmm. the jobs that like our parents always wanted us to have. Right. So I, yeah, I love what you have created, especially for black and brown folks. And you guys check Asha out. Thank you so much for being here. Thank I appreciate you. you. I appreciate the opportunity. I have uh, enjoyed seeing your growth over IG and like learning that we have friends in common and all this I stuff. I absolutely love it. So I am so happy to be yeah. here. Yeah. Once if I, we're in the middle of moving, but if I move to the Bay, we got to go get a drink. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Likewise. Hey, amiga. If you are not on my email list, you are missing out on some juicy content. I share sales and marketing tips every single week. Plus, you're the first to know about new freebies and webinars and all the other things fun happening. To get on the list, sign up for my free training, How to Sell Out Four Figure Offers. This training will also shift your mindset around what it really takes to book out your coaching business. So sign up in the show notes or on my website, katdalkarman.com to be added to the email list. I will see you next time. Mwah.